all in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. It is time for us to fight. And we do so not because we seek the glory of men, but because the other options are worse. We follow the codes not because they bring gain, but because we loathe the people we would otherwise become. We stand on this battlefield alone because of who we are. The members of the Cobalt Guard standing in a ring began to turn one at a time looking toward him. Beyond them, reserve soldiers, light-eyed and dark, gathered closer, eyes terrified, but faces resolute. Death is the end of all men. What is the measure of him once he is gone? The wealth he accumulated and left for his heirs to squabble over? The glory he obtained only to be passed on to those who slew him? The lofty positions he held through happenstance? No. We fight here because we understand. The end is the same. It is the path that separates men. When we taste that end, we will do so with our heads held high. Eyes to the sun! He held out a hand, summoning Oathbringer. I am not ashamed of what I have become. Other men may debase themselves to destroy me. Let them have their glory, for I will retain mine. And that stirring speech was from Graphic Audio's production of The Way of Kings, Part 5. And the man giving us that stirring speech is uh, Graphic Audio actor emeritus, uh, veteran of, oh, so many years of, of Graphic Audio productions, the one and only Mr. Andy Clements. Yay. Yay! Welcome, Andy. <laughs> Hello, thank you. Thank I'm you Rick Rowan. Dwayne Beeman is, uh, is sitting right next to me here. Howdy. Uh, my co-host on this little adventure is Rose Elizabeth Supan. Hello. And of course, uh, Andy Clements is our guest of honor here today. Hi. And uh, I'm going to start things off just by reading from the bio that he sent me, so we know that all this stuff is stuff he wants to talk about, or is willing, <laughs> or willing to talk about. Let's okay. um, see. Uh, Mr. Clements has been a professional stage, film, and voice actor for 35 years, appearing in lead roles at the Kennedy Center, Ford's Theater, American Century Theater, and Folger Shakespeare Theater. He performed for 15 years with the political comedy troupe The Capitol Steps, portraying President G.W. Bush for eight years all across the U.S. and off-Broadway. So we'll have to be hearing some of that, I think. <laughs> in Hollywood, Andy starred in a number of films for Sci-Fi Universal, including Black Forest with Academy Award winner Ben Cross, Super Cyclone with Ming-Na, who's on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Rise of the Zombies with LeVar Burton and Danny Trejo. Oh, wow. Rose nice. will have questions yeah. about... Did, nice. you, yeah. did you have scenes with Danny Trejo? Oh, yeah. No, okay. scenes with him. Awesome. Yeah. Really? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll I be asking huge, you about that. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, he also appeared as the Secretary of Labor on House of Cards, Season 3, opposite Academy Award winner Kevin Spacey. Andy is a private acting coach to both youth and adult actors, many of whom have signed with top agents from New York and L.A. as a result. 
He provides video and MP3 audition taping services, on-camera coaching, audition preparation, scene study, and career and industry consultations. His coaching company is called Actors Studio 7. Now, why 7? Well, I wanted a number in it, like the famous Studio 54. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so lucky 7? Luckiest number in the world is 7. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's continue this little bio here. And his favorite voice acting roles for graphic audio include Mysterio in the recent Daredevil Guardian Devil. He has parenthetically here, there's how many more lines? <laughs> <laughs> Lord Hightower in Wolf in the Fold, which was a book um, from the Hawk and Fisher series by Simon R. Green. Uh, he transformed into a werewolf a hundred times. Um, Bishop Dianero, speaking of werewolves, Bishop Dianero in the Demon Wars saga. Uh, I'm not sure which, I guess, I guess, which came first? Do we know chronologically? I've, oh, Bishop Dianero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was where you, that's where you, uh, that's where your, he was so good you got your got chops, stuck. as it were, exactly. as a werewolf. Uh, yeah. um, also, and this is, is how I basically uh, got in touch with Andy, was he voiced Lionel Barrymore as Scrooge in a 1936 Christmas Carol radio reproduction for American Century Theater, which led directly to his long-standing association with GA. I had seen Andy occasionally in various musical productions like in local dinner theater and stuff, and Andy's name was always one that I heard all over the place, but I had never actually done a show with you. Yeah. Until this very bizarre radio production that Jack Marshall put on at American Century Theater where it was basically, it was a reproduction of old school radio theater but we did it as a giant conference call. It was a deal where where the audience would would call in. You know how you do on you know conference calling in and mass meetings and yeah. and you could call in and you would just listen, and um, and all of the actors were in their own little room, ah. doing giving their performance on the phone. That's so amazing. it was. Absolutely terrifying. Very bizarre. <laughs> because yeah. you had, ah, there was so little control. We had the guy doing yeah. sound effects had his own setup, his own yeah. audio setup. And it wasn't real easy to hear everybody mm. else. No. We had a few actors who logged in uh, after, say, the curtain, uh, after the house opened, in, in speaking in traditional terms, yeah. and would say things that were kind of... Um, Oh, let's say inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they didn't realize that, oh, we're we can be heard. Um, <laughs> but it was so funny because uh, I think we did like one rehearsal before the first performance one, of the think, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just and and it, and it went okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you could see well. If, if all the stars are in alignment, this production will work. Yeah. And Nan and I were, actually, Nan and I were doing it together. We, were, we actually were in the same space, so we could hear each other, and we were on the same phone line, and we were just literally just passing the phone back and forth <laughs> as our lines. Uh, and uh, the first time I did it, I think I was Fred or something, and then I was a ghost on the second. We did it twice. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we were waiting to hear Scrooge, and as soon as Scrooge came on, it was like, <laughs> holy they they got Lionel Barrymore, <laughs> and it was it was amazing. He really was channeling Lionel Barrymore, um, and 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 I've asked him to do variations of Lionel Barrymore in various productions yeah. for graphic audio from time to time. But I said I got to get a hold of this guy, and so, so are you, were you putting him on the spot right now to do a Lionel 
Yeah, why not? He could do it. He could do it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, Can you do it from? um, Let's hear a little bit. Wonderful life. Uh, I suppose. um, Go ahead, George, or something. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, George. Uh, You know what I'm gonna do for you, George? I'm sending you to jail, George. That's what I'm gonna do. Merry Christmas, bye. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) So merry about it. <laughs> but you have to do Merry Christmas in jail, or Happy is what is the what's the one Happy New Year in jail, or or you know, as where you go on George, go on, right? right yeah, what, yeah. Oh. oh, forget it. My <laughs> <laughs> stuff is stealing your thunder. Uh, but uh, yeah, as you well as you can see, dance monkey, dance. <laughs> let's let's have you do a little bit of uh, George W. While we're thinking oh, about gosh, it, that's been a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, that. Uh, think of what the monologues are how quick you forget that stuff because it changed all oh, the time yeah i mean every couple nights the script changed and it yeah. was different stuff so um yeah eight years yeah yeah but uh god i think um ask y'all here spreading george w bush thank you all thank you all for voting for me uh just uh, vote for me again for the third time. That'd be a real, real good thing. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's awesome. awesome, yeah. <laughs> Very awesome. All right, so let's talk about, uh, well, let's see. Well, let's talk about graphic audio stuff to start yeah, with. Yeah. Um, um, uh, uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, Rose. Talk about a little bit about the Brandon Sanderson production that we heard a little bit of uh, at the beginning Way of, of the show. Way of Kings, which is um, well, that was the the first book in a in a huge epic story, of which Andy is a major major part, if not one of the well, you are you're one of the big leads, and um, basically he's a high prince in a mythical kingdom mm-hmm. and he keeps having visions which nobody else is buying <laughs> where he keeps hearing voices talking to them and he's suddenly transported to the past or maybe the future we're right. not sure right. and uh you're also having an affair, an illicit affair that wouldn't have been approved of by anybody in town. Yes. <laughs> With my brother's, my nephew's wife. That's oh, right. Oh, man, how yes. scandalous is that? Yeah. yeah. No wow. kidding. Well, the, the brother is dead, but that's, you don't do that in yeah. this town. Right. You just can't do it. But he's weak. <laughs> now, well, now, she worked on me. That's she worked on you really yeah. hard. It's true. That's yeah. actually that's Lily Beacon doing the working on it. She was terrific oh, at it too. Well, awesome. But um, in that speech that you just heard, he's surrounded on three sides by these creatures that are going to do him and his army in, and he has been double crossed. And any means of retreat has been taken away from them. And although they know that they're going to be slaughtered, Andy comes through with this George C. Scott playing Patton speech. <laughs> so uh, tell me a, a little bit about, you know, Dalinar. And his name is Dalinar Kalin yeah. in the story. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this character. Um, I, just, I just find him one of the most fascinating characters I played and I love the story I mean every time I get an installment of it I just I just read it straight through from top to bottom it's so fascinating and you just don't know where it's going yeah a lot of actors will read the parts and the scenes that they're in and that's it but Andy you've told me you've liked this book enough that you're just reading the whole thing I read the whole thing yeah (laughs) I want to know everyone what everyone's doing and how everyone fits together 
Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of dimensions in this book. Um, like you mentioned, different times, different mm -hmm. places, and of course, any character that has that has all this power, but also has this vulnerability of seeing visions, mm. and so people think he's crazy and he has to deal with that, and yet still maintain the power and the and the um, prestige of being a leader. It's just really, really amazing. And, well, and he's he worries that maybe he shouldn't be a leader. He does. He wants to. He's considering passing it on to his son. Um, he has two sons, and one of them I feel so bad for because he's so quiet, and he doesn't know how to carry a sword very well. And I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen to him, you know? Yeah, so... Maybe he'll start having visions, too. Maybe he will, yeah. yeah. Now, did, now when you, did you lock into the character pretty easily at the beginning, or did you take a while to, to figure out how to approach him? It took a little while. Um, I eventually we found an interesting speech pattern for him. Um, and um, at first I kind of played him like any old regular kind of leader, but I think it was the, it was the visions when he slipped into these other characters mm. where he literally found himself in a different place. But it's one of those ones like Quantum Leap where right. people see him as the person that they see him as. Yeah, and he's oh, okay. within And yet he's, you know, what are they looking at me for? Right, oh, right, right. I'm her husband, or I'm, you know, but right, she doesn't right. see. She just sees the husband. A kid at one point, a, too. A kid, yeah, yeah. So that, that really helped, you know, drawing the contrast between, okay, well, this is definitely him. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, these, yeah. These other, these other visions, yeah. Now, when, you, when you're playing the other characters, uh, does that? How do you? How do you shade your performance? Is it? Is it? Uh, are we hearing other actors in like? A, like it was the kid? Or no, we, we actually we use his voice. That's what he hears. Oh, okay. And so there might. So everybody just reacts to. There him might as be if. a hint of him guessing what these people are supposed right. to sound like. But oh. it's basically, we do hear Andy, even when it's the kid. Right. He he does a little bit of the kid, but. The rest of it's Andy. But there's a quality. The rest of it's Dalinar Kalim. The, there's a quality of improvisation to the to the moments oh. where Dalinar, because he doesn't know what's going he on. He doesn't or, know what's oh, going on. Yeah. It's like the yeah. actor's nightmare kind of thing. Exactly. Like, like you're on and stage he's in the well. middle of an action. He's <laughs> running from people and people are burning the city, town, <laughs> towns down, you know. And if he thinks out loud, which he does, like, what what am I doing here? How do they? I, I don't recognize this place. They're like, what are you talking about? What are you right, saying? Right. Yeah. They hear oh, what oh, I didn't say anything. Yeah. I, uh, you know. <laughs> so he has to be very careful when he's in these visions. Yeah. That's uh, that sounds like a very entertaining yeah. dynamic. And uh, he actually at some point just realizes that he has his his sons like tie him down to a chair or something because he has these horrible fits. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because and, if he's in the middle of a fight, they they they're getting it all. Interesting. Where yeah. he's sit, where he's sitting or standing by that point, you know, kind of like That's ultimate cool. sleepwalking nightmare. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, gotcha. And Brandon Sanderson is a is an amazing writer. I mean, yeah, you know, I, uh, yeah. I whenever I get something, you know, from one of the books, I I'm amazed that how much information is contained in the dialogue and in the scenes oh, that that yeah. you you intuitively have a really good sense of, of, of where that character, who that character is, what's going on in the scene, and, and they're not overwritten. It's not like mm -hmm. they're loaded with with uh, lines or uh, have so much exposition in them that, that they sound arch in any way. But if if you're an actor whose instincts are, 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 are you know, in tune to the rhythm and flow of speech, um, 
it, it a lot of the work is done for you when yeah. you when you get to it, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. It, that isn't always the case, as we know. No, that's no, <laughs> true. It's There's true. a lot of times where you can't tell context or emotion or whatever just from you right. Know. He's a great writer, and his and his um his narration is great too. Yeah, I mean it's just it's good stuff to listen to. Yeah, and yeah. when you get a fine actor like Andy on it, it's just irresistible <laughs> now now i have to mention you know for the comic book geeks and stuff uh, that in the dc universe uh andy has played ray palmer at the atom a mm-hmm. uh, really memorable performance in countdown uh, which is a much maligned story but the ga production goes a long way to to correcting some of the problems that existed in the in the original comic but the character of ray palmer is is really a tortured soul in that it's a really interesting storyline where he basically everyone thought he was dead and he was able to escape to a an idyllic life yeah and you know and and he was perfectly happy and here comes the you know the superhero universe coming in and saying you have to come back and he don't want to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's great. It's a really neat story. In fact, he I think he's, his is one of the most compelling uh, subplots in that particular series. And you played him in other uh, Justice League other type episodes, things yeah. that were, you know, where he was, you know, doing superhero stuff. But that yeah. was the one that had a, a lot of meat to it. There was. He actually had to, I mean, there's this scene where he's at the woodshed and he just drops the wood and is just so confused and conflicted. And he goes in and he tells his... Wife, his wife actually committed murder in another exactly. life and and she's like what are you talking about and he says i th- i thought i could escape this life by shrinking down and, and it's all coming back to me and it's, right it's, oh, a, it's wow. a it's a microscopic universe yeah that he's in. that's yeah. right it was yeah. a really? horrible moment of realization for him that he just cannot escape no matter what i remember that that yeah. was a really intense scene yeah. and, and andy nailed it yeah. it was it was it was a lot of you hear a little bit of it in the the trailer and in the and in the Marvel universe, we've used him in a variety of perfunctory roles, but the the big one was the was was Mysterio. Was Mysterio. Yeah, um, when he's older and insane. Yeah, Dirt. very insane, yes. and <laughs> and he's got nothing to lose. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, that, and and he does. Uh, Kevin, it was the first thing that Kevin Smith had written for the comics, and he will be the first to tell you that that he felt it was overwritten, which in the sense. Uh, how it affected Andy was he did a lot of villain monologuing, which which ain't easy to pull off. No. And, and in fact, he sort of turns into the narrator for the denouement, um, yeah. where where it says this is what what has been happening for the whole story, and it's an extended monologue. Wow. And uh, it, and and we it was dramatized, but you know mm-hmm. his narr- his voice will come in and out of mm-hmm. what's happening dramatically and uh, and uh, not easy to pull off. Um, and uh, we always give Andy the easy stuff. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, three pages of monologue. Okay, let's bring Andy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. play you play a lot of tortured souls. You play yeah. a lot of werewolves. Mm-hmm. You play a lot of convicted people, and you play insane people. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> None of that romantic stuff. Yeah. But you've done a lot done of a westerns. Ro- you've done a yeah. lot of westerns yeah. for yep, me. The westerns you... are always fun. Yeah. yeah, and you've played villains in yep. the westerns. Slick villains, yeah. uh, rustic villains, yeah. and you played Ned Buntline, who was a real guy, 
who was actually a New Yorker who was writing these um, Penny Dreadful novels oh, about that Western... popularized the Western culture. Yeah, mythos. I mean they yeah. were they were completely lies. <laughs> You're right, fabrication. But he, but he was writing, tall tales. He was writing stories about people who were real in the West and. Right. Uh, Andy, you had a you had a great time playing him because you got to be obnoxious. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Without getting my head shot off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you know, all the Western guys would always be like shuffling their feet when Andy would show. <laughs> right. And Ned Buntland's like, oh my God, he's here again. <laughs> now, there was a window of what, like three or four years where we lost the services of Andy because yes, he was yeah. on another coast. Yeah. Um, he yeah. had gone, he had made the big move to Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, talk a little bit about that because you got to do a lot of the sci-fi channel and kind of B-movie action, mm-hmm. uh, pulpy kind of stuff. What, what, what projects did you have the most fun with? Um, well, Black Forest was really cool. That, that was, was the first one. That right? was the first the one. It was shot in Bulgaria. I know, like wow. that was you were like they were stringing you along for years before that finally yeah, got made. Yeah, because yeah. the, the start date kept kept getting changed, and it was originally a, a, a Cinemax script, oh. and they just kind of sat on the property for a while and didn't get around to it. And then right. the, the the rights came up, and Sci-Fi Universal grabbed it. I mean, it's a great great story, really mm-hmm. good characters, and that's the one that Ben Cross was was in. Right. So I get to work with him quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I was one of the main characters in that, and. Um, Got to die in some more than one interesting way in that same movie. So I was like, oh, this is graphic audio here. Let's come dying again. <laughs> yeah, right. you know? Well, yeah, yeah, you get a lot of practice with that. Yeah. So now, uh, I, has Netflix bought that? It must be available It's somewhere. on Netflix, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on there right now. Uh, as is, I think, Super Cyclone and uh, Rise of the Zombies. And that's the one with Danny Trejo? Rise of the Zombies, yeah. Oh, know. talk about Danny Trejo. I want Trejo. to know about Go Danny Rose. Trejo. Yeah, he is, he is what you hear, the nicest guy in the world. And I guess, you know, he's got, he tells the story about he got he was pretty much hardened criminal. Really. Yeah, yeah, he served hard time. Yeah, served hard time. And finally went straight by getting into movies and doing yeah. films and thought, wow, this is the only thing... That'll that keep me out of jail. Even the satisfaction <laughs> that crime gave him, you know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So did you have scenes? With I him? did. Yeah, I had quite a bit of scenes with him. Oh. Yeah. Did yeah. he beat the oh, crap out of you or anything? No. Uh. <laughs> In fact, I mean, he, this guy is so nice that I I really got to see. I didn't I didn't get to play a zombie, which I'm glad for because. They sit in those makeup chairs and have to wear those caps and, on the eyes, oh. and, and they had to lead them around the the because you can't see because they can't see a lot of times. Wow! Oh my God. And there was a, one of the there's this big scene where Danny Trejo and I get attacked uh, in this house, and there was um, one of the zombies was a housewife. We called her the babe zombie housewife. Right she there, was you pretty go. Hot, even for a zombie. <laughs> um, so she attacks me and she attacks him, but she attacks him first, and he actually transforms. And oh. we see him as a zombie, and he wasn't aware of this. And he had to get to a, according to the shoot times, he had to get to a ball game that his son Oh, he wasn't in. aware that they were shooting those scenes that day? Yeah. Oh. And that he would have to do the zombie makeup right. and everything. And he was like, I, I, I guys, I can't, I can't stay. I'm going to promise my son, you know. And wow. they were like, we, we've got to get these. These are the only times we can get this. And I was sitting there going, oh, my gosh, this is a horrible situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, he did. He, he. Got on the phone with his son. He said, look, I'm, I'm going to be another hour. I'll get there as soon as I can. He went and sat through the makeup, the eye things, the caps, 
and he did the scenes, and I thought, now that's that's a trooper. Yeah, that yeah. was very impressive. Did he, did he go to the ball game as a zombie? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Probably did. Probably got in his car. And, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hope this I hope this road goes straight because yeah, exactly. I can't see yeah. left or right. <laughs> no cops gonna stop him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You move right along, Mr. That's Craig. Right. If you work with him again, I want to give you my phone number. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. well, what was the what was the the machete? machete. Yes. I wanted to say yeah. Mariachi. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. I love both machete movies. Yeah. And uh, he's so good in them. Yeah. And in the second one, he has a scene where he's interacting with a kid, and you can mm. see the kindness yeah. and the niceness that you never see in the other movies. He never plays that. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, especially now, when it, his head is on a turtle riding across the desert and breaking yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing that scene with Nan and she goes, that's Danny Dreyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a decapitated head. Yeah. Right. Anyway, spoiler alert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, uh, and then, uh, you know, I, you, you basically came back for family reasons, as I right. understand it. Right. So we're, we're happy to have you here. We're, <laughs> we'll, we'll exploit your, your, your personal yeah. tragedy. This is the for first our... place I came when I get back. We're yeah. headed right straight here. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Are there other roles that you can think of that we haven't talked about that um, in graphic audio milieu? There are other, th other things I want to talk about that aren't GA related, but yeah, um, there's so many. I yeah. mean, so many over the years they just kind of run together. Yeah, um, there was a, there was an interesting character early on. It was in the um, the big long running series that Rose and I worked on a little bit because I had a lot of little characters in in those ones. This eagles. Um, no, it was the the ones the little group was in the time travelers and they were like there was the cave they would go in the the um, post apocalyptic oh, oh Deathlands Deathlands yeah, okay. Deathlands. yeah. or yeah, yeah. I, I directed those for a while but that yeah. was we've all space. we've all served like time all, yeah. in the Deathlands yeah. we uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we're we're bringing it back too uh, yeah. yeah that's um the, the the that was one of our that was our flagship title when we yeah. when we started back mm -hmm. we only had uh, we were producing four a month and that was was one of the yeah. ones and for a while we tried to produce two of those a month mm. yeah and there was this there was this one character they were it was actually two i think they were robots but they were twins they were uh -huh. like these two guys and so what we did was we came up with the idea of having them say their lines on top of each other <gasps> that's right but doing the inflections differently yeah and so we did a countdown we do one line say you know so what do you mean and then we would do another one go three two one what do you mean <laughs> And we got the two on top of each other. It was very interesting. It that. really That's was. That's cool. And yeah. the engineer hated me. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing compared to the stuff we do nowadays. I mean, I know. You know, I mean yeah. in terms of what we ask yeah. engineers to, yeah. to pull off. Uh, but you know, those those are the experimental years too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's yeah. all it's all still experimental, yeah. but we've we've learned a lot since those days. And but that's cool. The kind of stuff you know, that's the kind of creativity that comes up when when interesting problems present themselves. Uh, yeah, we just came up with that on the spot. On the yeah, spot. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and it was very, very cool. The, those happy discoveries that I like having room for that. Let's talk about, you're writing a musical? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And you are a composer. Yes. Yeah. See, that I never knew. What, yeah. um, what kind of music? What have you, uh, you've done? It's full symphonic orchestrations? Yeah, I wow. do all the orchestrations. I do all the arrangements. 
Um, I love doing the orchestrations. I write it all on piano, uh-huh. and then I have all my keyboards in my home studio, and I create the clarinet parts and the saxophone parts and the drum parts, and I multi-track them and everything. Oh, and my God. Where, where could we hear your music? Um, I haven't put any of it out online anywhere because it's not copyrighted yet. Ah, okay. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. Can yeah. you hum some of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, is, this, is this something you've done for a while or has yes, it been, been sort of a... a long period of time. And it's sort of been like an evocation or, or just yeah. kind of a, you it know... it comes and goes. Times when I'm not real busy, I'll work on it and then times I've got some free time like, you know, between midnight and 4 a.m., you know, I'll sit and, and compose. Now, now, have you you've recorded a finished product for these? Not or? quite. I've recorded about fifty percent of it. About 90 percent of it is completed because I'm doing the script and the book as well. I okay. do all the lyric, all the okay. lyrics. It's predominantly through sung, although there's some scenes. So I love. I've I've been writing songs since I was in high, college and high school. So. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. That is pretty yeah. cool. I'd love to it's hear. It's based it. on O. Henry's short story. Oh, which one? The first one he wrote when he was in prison, um, called a retrieved reformation. Um, but the story is about Jimmy Valentine, who was a safe cracker, uh-huh. who evidently is pretty well known. I heard him mention of my three sons one night. Oh, so a real figure? No, but oh, so but famous well known. enough because yeah. of the O. Henry story, right? And okay. of course, that famous O. Henry twist at the end, right? Um, the short story is only about seven pages. But it's called, I'm calling it Alias Jimmy Valentine. Oh, wow. Okay. And the safe track cracker gets out of prison and he tries to go straight. You know, so he robs a bank right away. <laughs> so, uh, so he can afford to get straight. So he can straight. afford to go straight. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a great story. How, how close to fruition are you, would you say? Um, 85, 90%. Is that, okay. What I need at this point is like a musical director to come in and start right. recording vocals and things like that. Well, you, you know? imagined you would start workshopping it? and uh... Yeah, I would start workshopping it. I actually, before I went out to L.A., I talked to a couple of places, American Century Theater and even someone at Ford's Theater, the producers there were interested in maybe workshopping it. So, you yeah. know, but that's that's kind of a big thing that always sits out there. Right. Wow. That I don't know if I'll ever finish. <laughs> well, if you're... 85, 90%. I know. Yeah. I know. You know. Just drag yourself across the finish line. Yeah, I yeah. know. That's uh, sometimes, you know, uh, that's one thing about this particular job. Um, before I had this job, or anything that has a deadline that you need to have, yeah. that, where you produce a product and it has to be there, it, you know, is, is, is what gets me to finish anything. Because back in the days, you know, I would try to do things on my own. I, I could never finish stuff. Um, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and really, this job more than any other. I mean, it, when you're in a play, you, you know, the play goes up. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. But if you're working on something on your own and you don't have somebody saying, give it to me now or give it to me at this point in time, uh, or I've paid you this much money. You owe me this yeah. by then. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it for me, it has always been, you know, because you 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 start second guessing yourself. You start saying, oh, this isn't quite where I want it to be. Maybe I'll go back and I'll fiddle some more. Mm. And and yeah. and it's and it's a dangerous thing. Uh, the value of having deadlines. I mean, a lot of writers will say, yeah, will, will, will tell you that. So. Um, so you should get somebody to buy it, commit to it, and they'll, yeah. they'll get you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So I've gone about as far as I can go with one person. Right. To the point where, okay, now I have to bring other people into the right. picture. And I think that's always difficult, too, when you have something you've created from scratch, is at some point you have to bring in other people. You yeah, know? yeah. 
Well, you have to, I imagine you'd have to do demos of the songs. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have some singers lined up that are dying to go into the studio and record you know, oh, some of the yeah. songs. Right. Yeah, you know, like, everybody. Tons of, yeah. yeah that's, that'd be no problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no shortage of talent there. Yeah. Well, I would, I would uh, feel myself remiss if I didn't uh, at least query you on the topic of quantum physics. Oh, uh, don't get me started. <laughs> so... Expl- where where does that interest come from? And and and, and I, I, yeah, I just love quantum physics. I I come from a science and music background. Okay. My grandfather was an internationally famous astronomer. He was a colleague of Einstein and Oppenheimer. And wow. You have a really classic picture of him at Einstein's seventieth birthday party up in Princeton. Oh wow! Classic. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, now was his last name Clements? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was my dad's grand my dad's father. Okay. Um, so that was in the family. Um, but he was also a musician. He played the cello. He was a church organist. You know, so we've got oh, that a musician. I thought you said magician at oh, first. Oh, no, not a magician. I would have been yeah. a, yeah. He employed he quantum physics. Exactly. What people thought was magic was actually an application of applied uh, quantum physics. That's right. right. But yeah. Boy, oh, boy. It wowed him at church. Yeah. <laughs> So he was a musician as well? Yeah. So my parents bought me a piano when I was eight. They bought me a telescope when I was thir- 13. So, you know. You know. Um, but yeah. I got and you, you confounded them by becoming an actor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got, got about 25 or 26 years old. My life was like all over the map. Just chaos here and chaos there. Doing shows right and left and all kinds of stuff. And I was a little bored. So I thought, I need something to distract me. So I'll teach myself quantum physics. So I picked up a book a friend had recommended, um, In Search of Schrodinger's Cat, and I was hooked. Wow. I was hooked. But I had the physics background kind of to begin with. So the mathematics of it was stuff you could get the wrecked your mind around? The math escaped me a little bit. Oh, okay, because um, that's, where, that's where I fade off yeah, the, the map. Yeah, but I understood it. the concepts and everything. Okay. So I, um, I didn't de- you don't have to delve into the math that much. I mean, even the concepts are Are, are tough to wrap your mind around, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some good films out nowadays that that, that, that do a good job of yeah. illustrating. Um, yeah. Uh, there's one that Nan and I were really into called "What the Bleep Do You Know?" Have you ever seen mm-hmm. that? No. It compiles it it pulls from all philosophies. It because it, 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 it gets really metaphysical yeah. as you might expect, and it, and but it but it's all based on quantum physics and our perception mm-hmm. of how how. Uh, the, the universe really works, how right. it exists, right. and how our own perception of it affects it, and, right. and those aspects of it. And it's got rabbis and and uh, mystics and <laughs> uh, and crackpots, and, and but it and it's and it's hosted by Marley Matlin, um, oh, the, the really? deaf actress. She's she she sort of performs sketches that illustrate points and sort of and it's a kind of a loose free form, but it's it's fun. It's uh, I'm sure it's available on Netflix or somewhere, mm-hmm. but um, but that was, you know, and there are other uh, um, films that do a good job of visually illustrating some of Einstein's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the train traveling at a speed of, at the speed of light mm-hmm. uh, metaphor and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go yeah. go. Uh, well, I mean, what, what it's just really fascinating, and and what we've learned is that we don't live in Einstein's world. Einstein is classic physics. Right. We actually live in a quantum universe, which is very, very different, where, you know, there aren't rules. The universe doesn't act like a clock, you know. Right. Um, so the universe is chaotic? 
Yeah. Without, God, God without, does roll the dice. Yeah. Without, <laughs> without chaos. Was right. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a big promoter of chaos. I mean, yeah. without chaos, you can't really have 100% creativity. Wow. You know? Well, as I understand it, basically, it's like layers of order. Uh, once you go past one layer of what appears to be order, you go into chaos, and then if you go further down, it becomes order again, and then it becomes chaos again. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it reaches a level where it just becomes pure chaos. Pure chaos. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's where the creativity comes from, where you can say, you can get something from nothing. And that mm. was something Einstein wrestled with. You, know, you can't have something, you have cause and effect. Right. And quantum physics realized, well, and we've actually seen now in the lab, Boom, something just comes into existence. If the universe needs something, it just creates it. And right. of course, now we, we've come to realize we live in a multidimensional universe of 10 dimensions, not three. Well, qu we quantum Holy entanglement cow. exists where you have two, exactly. two protons existing. What is it, up to 21 miles apart, and mm -hmm. they are literally the same thing? Yeah. Really? They are thing. literally the exact same thing. Um, and they can duplicate. I, I was listening to... I think it was Radio Lab where they where they had a tabletop experiment that basically I don't know were they using focused lasers were mm -hmm. able to say to show you here's a proton over here and here's that exact same proton over here. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like Dwayne, do you have any idea what the hell they're Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, but you guys know that. It sounds fascinating, though. All of this to illustrate that Andy Clements is a true renaissance man. Yes, say, he is. <laughs> jack, jack of all trades. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, I, I would like to know um, a little bit about... There's a, probably a lot of people out here. We all know what the capital steps is here in the yeah, D.C. Yeah, 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 that's, that's a good point. But if you could explain what it was and what you did in it. Yeah. It still exists, like, right? You just still aren't around. part of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you were in the capital steps? Yeah. For eight wow. years. Cool. That's okay, where cool. the G.W. Bush came from. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. How many right. years? Fifteen years. That's wow. okay. You'll listen to all this yeah. later when you have to edit it. Yeah. Yeah, the Capitol Steps started, gosh, in probably early 80s before I, I came in much later. Um, it's political comedy, but it's it's stand-up comedy, but it's sung. It's musical, it's for musical. the most part, yeah. So we, you take, you know, well-known songs, pop songs, songs from music. Parody songs. That, parodies, and change the lyrics yeah. to reflect, you know, so instead of Maria in West Side Story, it became Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just some really clever stuff. And it just became a smash hit. I mean, it really had a Well, niche. it's huge in D.C., but you guys took it all over. We traveled all over the country. Yeah, yeah. we've taken it to England. We've been to Mexico and Canada and, and just, you know. There's a lot of GA uh, talent. that I, Dolores did that. Yeah, for, uh, Dolores yeah, did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dolores. Um, Mar Margie Tompros. Margie Tompros. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, her, and her, uh, Margie's husband, I right. think, was the Paul. stage manager. Yeah, yeah Paul. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, well, it's it's the fact that it's been around and continues to go means it's yeah. steady work for an acting uh, for an actor. Oh, you know? yeah. Anything, it's like doing um, yeah uh, sheer madness at the Kennedy Center. Exactly, those are the two like <laughs> full time gigs, and I did that one too. Did yeah. you wow. really? Yeah. yeah, of course did you, you did. Play the detective in that? <laughs> no, I played the flaming hairdresser. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Of course, I was much younger. I had long blonde hair in those days. But, you know. <laughs> Quickly explain what that is for for those of us who don't. Sure, uh, man. Because that is, show only exists in D.C., right? Or, or no, it's no, all, it's all no, over the world. All over. Oh, okay, never yeah. mind. All when right. I was doing it, um, 
I did it in like its second or third year. So I'm like, I don't know how many years now, 20 year anniversary or oh something my God, like that. I think oh, I think maybe now. more than that. Yeah, it's been running at the Kennedy Center like nonstop. Yeah. But when I was doing the show, they were getting ready to open a production in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Vancouver, wow. Which did run. Which, yeah, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's basically a one shop comedy that can be adapted to wherever it takes place. It's about a hair salon. Yeah. And the crazy characters that come in, there's a murder that takes place. You know? Right. And at the end, the cast, the audience gets to vote who they think the, the murderer was. And it's and just... If you yeah. lock into the right formula. Yeah. 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 And of course, there's room for improvisation. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. The audience actually questions you. Right. Well, there's a big question and answer period. Right. It's one of those where the... where the Does the ending change depending yes. on what the audience... Oh, yeah. Is? Right, oh, right, yeah. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Got to be on your toes with yeah. that show. Yeah. So there's like three or four different scripts for the second half of the show. And you never know night to night which one you're going to be doing. Right. Wow. Yeah. On your toes, man. On your toes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. And you guys, and, and uh, you would come in and out of the show uh, over time. Sometimes uh, you could leave yeah. it and come back. They would rotate people on... in and out. They didn't like yeah. people to stay more than a year at a time because they it could get really stale didn't want to create a, any stars. Oh. Which was an interesting concept because that mm. way they could do the show pretty much anywhere in the country by rotating the people in and out, and the audiences wouldn't feel cheated like, oh, I'm not seeing the original. Right. Uh, you know, that makes sense. Pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Plus, you know, you got wildly different characterizations of the same characters. Exactly. I would imagine. Yeah, depending yeah. on the personality of the actor. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Anything you'd like to uh, talk about? Uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about before you leave? <laughs> yeah, I'll just mention it. Um, not really, except the, the the coaching which I've gotten into. Ah, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, um, when I was out in LA, I went to a workshop. Uh, it was a free workshop, so I decided to go on how to get an agent and keep an agent. I already mm. had an agent, but I thought, well, let's see what they have to say. Right, right. And a lot of people there, 80 or 90 people, and the woman giving the workshop didn't mention the word agent until like, two hours in, and I thought, this is just ridiculous. She got up and she sang some number she did on Broadway when she was, you know, oh 15. God. And um, <laughs> so at the end, these the two girls sitting next to me, I didn't know at all, said, can you give us a ride home? And I thought, well, okay, whatever. They lived across Hollywood, so I thought, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got in the car, and I started going off about this workshop. She didn't talk about this or that or that. She didn't even mention this or that. And actors need to know. And they took out their notebooks and started writing. <laughs> and they said, where did you get Where do you get all this information? And I said, well, I mean, this actors need to know that. And they said, do you teach a workshop? Do you teach a class? And I said, no, but I should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they said, well, let us know if you do, because we'll come and we'll bring all our friends. Wow, wow. So I didn't get to start it when I was in L.A., but when I got back here... I went ahead and started it, and I've just found that actors just don't know about the business. They're, right, the the business of being in, in the, the business. business. Yeah, which is not an easy thing. It's not, and there no. is a wealth of predatory educational. Mm. Oh yes, uh, there there are. There's a whole industry in bilking young actors out yeah. of their hard earned yes, and their parents' hard earned yep. money yep. to theoretically train them. 
the yeah. soap opera classes who are who basically are there just so you might possibly be seen by a casting director for a soap opera. Yeah. And that's all they are. That's you're yeah. paying basically the, in the hopes that a casting director will see you and give you an under five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just an explanation, Rick mentioned under under five. That means that you have under five lines exactly. in, the, in the production. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or even just an extra role sometimes. Yeah. 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 Now, there's a huge controversy going on right now you may have heard of out in Hollywood. It's an uh, 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 expose was done in the Hollywood Reporter about these casting director workshops they call pay-to-play. Yes, pay-to-play. Um, in L.A., there's tons of them because there's casting directors all sure. over the place. You and know? in New York as well, yeah. Yeah, there's a few in New York. But in L.A., when I first got there and I went to some of those, I, I felt a little... This is ridiculous that we have to pay to do this to see casting directors. Yeah. Right. And they were 30 or $40 a pop, you know. And I thought, you know, I've since learned that in New York, they're $150 yeah. a pop. Yeah. Wow. So, so there was a big so with the, So you, you go in and pay the $40. Is the agent at that point is guaranteeing you that he can find you a role? Nope. No, just that they'll be there. Or yeah. somebody representing them. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Well, now, a casting director is always there, unless it's right. an agent workshop. Okay. And you get, um, it's basically two hours, hour and a half, and you there's a question and answer period. And then sometimes the casting director will hand out scenes, mm-hmm. and you do those, or you bring your own scene. Mm. So what the actor needs to do is just be smart about it. And I got smart about it. First of all, only pick the ones with casting directors that are casting shows you're right for. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, you're wasting your money. Yeah. Right. So I began to look at them as not necessary evils, but necessary... Um, tools? Tools. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all about relationships. Yep. It really is. And without those workshops, if the actor understands... That that's what that's they're getting. That's what it is. Yeah. And they're pretty clear about it. They say this is not... You know, an audition, blah 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 blah. Right. You're building a you're building a relationship. Right. Then you go back to your agent and say, I just had a workshop with Scott Davis casting Criminal Minds. He's gonna bring me in, he's gonna call you. Uh-huh. That's the way it works. Uh-huh. And if you know how to network, if you know what you're doing, which as I discovered, ninety percent of them don't know that. They they're yeah. not smart. And so I try to teach actors to be smart that way, you know. So I was able to build some really nice relationships. Scott David and I became really good friends. He brought me in for Criminal Minds a number of times. And he's one of the main guys they targeted. Mm, he got cool. fired from, from Criminal Minds. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of, I'm, you, you, I'm you, sad about it. Yeah. I think it's really, you know, for, for and now they're like $20. I mean, because the competition is so stiff. Um, it's kind of like the principle of uh, interns, you know, uh, paying their dues, but the, yeah. Bec- uh, yeah. but then but not being paid for it, and so as a result, those opportunities have disappeared because uh, because of litigation from people. I forget what the original lawsuit was, but it's the kind of thing where um, a lot of the the, the first tier getting your toes wet in the industry and learning what the game is that stuff is being pulled away because it seemed to be taking advantage of of your your youthfulness and ignorance and yeah. and and your and your and your willingness to work for nothing right mm-hmm. but at the same but but there's nothing to replace it there's no there's no intermediate you know if you take that away 
what does an actor do or what does an intern do to get mm-hmm. you know to get experience in their chosen profession yeah it's it's it, yeah it's the same kind of uh, equation yeah yeah it's a real vicious circular kind of thing you yeah know? Well, thank you, Andy. This has been fascinating. We, I, yeah. I feel yeah, like really we could keep going been. for a long period of time. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a wealth of, uh, of, of stuff. That, and, uh, and maybe we'll drag you back in here to do more of it at some point. Yeah, that'd you be know, great. We're, love to. We're certainly going to keep you, you know, with plenty of work in the future. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because because <laughs> the Stormlight Archive is going to go on forever. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's yeah yeah that's one nice thing about having job security and being a recurring character yeah. in a series that no has kidding. no end. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think I even mentioned the name, but when we were talking about the Way of Kings, that's just book one of mm-hmm. the Stormlight Archive by yeah. Brandon Sanderson, right. and we're doing the Way of. Uh, Word. The words of radiance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Words of radiance. Now the, yeah. yeah. And two and more books to follow after books that. Books more yeah. and more. Yeah. And he keeps writing. Yeah, right? he keeps writing. So, yeah. So, pretty it awesome. could be 10. Yeah, who knows? Wow. Yeah. 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 I heard somebody say 12, and I thought to myself, but I. <laughs> I have, to, I have to retire someday. Yeah, so our children's children will be performing exactly. those productions. Yeah. <laughs> My grandchildren will be recording those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, thank you, Andy, for for stopping by. This has been yeah. fun. Yeah, um, definitely. And definitely. those of you listening uh, at home or wherever you're listening to this, in the car or wherever, uh, we're we're going to be doing a series of these interviews with graphic audio actors over the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, you may be getting them spread out over time, but uh, just to let you know, there are more of these coming. This is the first that we've done in our brand new space. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the fact that we are no longer in our old facility. We That's have, right. We have yeah. uh, a very nice studio in uh, Rockville, Maryland now, um, and we are currently um, recording this podcast in uh, what is uh, being built as our Foley studio. Explain that. Uh, which yeah. is where we produce manual sound effects. Instead of pulling sound effects from a library, we will actually produce them in-house. We've done... A little bit of that all, all, you know, all along. But now we're dedicating it so we can do a lot of it and get it, getting a lot more detailed work. And um, and uh, it's in the and the engineers are really psyched about it. And it's really cool. And it's a nice space. We also we do our we're doing our crowd scenes in here, which is much more advantageous. Um, Explain what we were doing before. We were all cramming into it. Was like it was like the old college fraternity. Cr- how many people can you cram in a phone booth? Uh, it really was very much. How many much clouds you can fit in a car? How many clouds you can fit in a yeah, car? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's we probably the more apt analogy. Yeah. Piling out of there. No, <laughs> seven actors in that booth. <laughs> and sometimes we, we, and often we would construct crowds piecemeal, uh, you know, if they were very customized. We would right. do, you know, small chunks or even individual lines and put them together with, with stock crowds and things like that. Um, but I was thinking, it occurred to me the other day, in our new facility, our studios are named. Uh, studio Groucho, Chico, Harpo, and Margaret Dumont. <laughs> that it would make sense if this were uh, the studio were Axel. Axel? Yeah. Who's that? He's Axel, like a, yeah, Axel, forgotten Marx Brothers. No, oh. a- Axel Foley. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Rick. Thank nice you. one. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And nothing to do with the Marx Brothers, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but neither do we, really. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
So anyway. How did you decide to name those that way? Colleen decided to. Okay. <laughs> she thought it would be cute. And and it was like, it was cool. It was, yeah. you know, I, I have a connection to the Marx Brothers. I, yeah. I made a minor career out of playing Groucho in various productions uh, around town and, and uh, things like that. So it was cool with me. It was yeah. Like, <clears throat> and... and um, and it's at first there was some resistance from the troops <laughs> to change, you know, to, to change anything. There was certainly yeah. resistance from me. <laughs> but, uh, but really? you know, it's like anything, you get used oh, to it. Oh, it's fine. It's, it was yeah. just that first week we were here, nobody could find where their well, files were. Well, that was it. Were, nobody yeah. could remember what they were. Right. Well, it's like any move, you know, yeah. everything's in boxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Well, thank you, Andy, for coming in. <laughs> That's the reason I'm, we're here. Enjoy sitting among the boxes here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of boxes. And thank you all for listening. Uh, look for more of these podcasts coming up. Um, and uh, we'll. Uh, uh, I want to thank Dwayne here. He actually got to crawl out from behind the glass for this. So you yeah. sat, in, sat in with us on yeah. this one. Awesome. I want to thank Rose Elizabeth Supan for, for her contribution. And, of course, our guest of honor. Andy Clements. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Until next time, hasta Peace. la vista. Bye-bye, y'all. All in your mind.